Dave from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. How are you doing, Darren Patterson? I am doing well, John Trumbull. How are you? You don't know where my nipples are. Oh, wow, right off the bat. Quoting the show. Holy Toledo. Well yeah. done, sir. Well done. I just I just like that line. That's just that's just a great line to say. No matter what the context, it's you don't a good, know where my nipples are. It's a good icebreaker. Like if you're it at is. A, if you're at a party, a baby shower, you know, mm-hmm. church church event, just walk up to somebody and say, Hey, you don't know where my nipples are. And, and the then, more aggressively you say it, the the better it is. Because really, honestly, they don't. They really Unless, don't. Unless they have seen you without a shirt, they cannot positively say where your nipples are. They could take an educated guess. Right. Uh, a hypothesis, perhaps, but mm-hmm. they, they don't know. They don't know yeah. you. They don't know your nips. I mean, maybe, maybe if it's a cold day, they might have a decent shot at, at, uh, at you know, pinpointing it, but uh, no. <laughs> Pinpoint. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> High comedy, people. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're listening to this at home, ask yourself. Do you know where your friend's nipples are? <laughs> it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your friend's nipples are? <laughs> so we are doing uh, SNL Season 47, uh, Episode 6, from November 13th, 2021, with Jonathan Majors and ta- uh, hosting and Taylor Swift musical guesting. I, I saw Jonathan Taylor on my notes running together, and I very mm-hmm. nearly said... Jonathan Taylor Thomas right now. You were so close. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't that be weird? It would be. It would be. I mean, if this was 1994, maybe not so weird. But 2021, a little weird. A little weird. Yeah, because Jonathan Taylor Thomas, he's not quite in a hosting SNL kind of place right now. But Jonathan Majors, he's had a great couple of years. He's he's in a hosting SNL place, which is probably why he hosted the show. Yeah, I mean the guy was in uh, Lovecraft Country. He was he's on the that Netflix um, black western, The Heart of They Fall. He's mm-hmm. going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And right. he yeah, was he's in Loki already. He's, yeah, he's in the Loki, and uh, he's uh, he's on he's on the come up, as we say he's, in the biz. He's having a moment. Yes, we're 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 all just living in Jonathan's moment right now. Yeah, it's it's Jonathan Major's world, and we're just living in and. And Taylor Swift, oh my goodness, she's she's having a hell of a week. Holy she's, hell. She's uh, re-recorded uh, her album Red, and that dropped this week. And she was on SNL doing a 10-minute version of like one of the fan favorites of her song. So, I mean, we'll we'll get into that when we hit the musical segment. But that's that's something to say. Yeah, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Cause that we'll was... get there. It's, uh, I mean, it's always, it doesn't happen very often when an artist just does like one uh, musical segment on SNL, but it's like a mm-hmm. elongated song or like a medley of songs. But when it does, it definitely is, uh, you definitely got to kind of stop and, and stare at it. It's just like, it, yeah, it really makes you <laughs> pay attention. It, it really gets, and it's, and usually like when they've done that, it's been like a, a medley type of thing like uh i mean i know prince has done like a medley thing uh, uh didn't david byrne do a medley of a lot of his talking heads numbers that he does in his broadway show american utopia i don't think so. did he 
No, I, I think he did, but I mean, he, I know, I remember he was on the John Mulaney uh, hosted episode, but I think it was just two separate songs. Oh, if okay. I'm not mistaken, but yeah, the um, like you said, Prince did it when uh, Chris Rock hosted, but his was only eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember like years and years back. I gotta look into this, but I know the Rolling Stones did like a super long segment on SNL. Wow, uh, maybe like early eighties, I want to say mid eighties, something like that. Um. Yeah, it was like, I mean, those are the two off the top of my head I could think of. Um, but yeah, I mean, but this was 10 minutes of, of yeah. just uh, of T Swift. I mean, yeah. one song. Yeah. Oh, holy Toledo. It's like, yeah. it's, it's like, it's a deep dive, man. It's, yeah, it is. It is. And, and this, this is her first, uh, her fifth time on SNL, uh, which that's amazing to me because I, I still somehow, somehow think of, uh, Taylor Swift as like a newish artist, but she's been around for a good chunk of time. Yeah, like I, I'm, I think it's like that because like I remember when she first came out, and it's like you say, like I still think of her as like a oh she's like a, the new thing that the kids like. But yeah. if you think she's about, like, it, she's like that teenager who writes the songs, and she's like the <laughs> new, you know, cool uh, teen artist. But I looked it up; she's thirty one now, so she's like an yeah. adult, and, <laughs> and it's just, but. Because she's just fixed in my head as, oh, this new teen sensation. That's still kind of how I think of her, you know. Yeah, like like she's a grown ass woman, but like I think I think yeah. Also, she looks kind of young too, so maybe that's it a little bit too. She still looks maybe a little bit younger than. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, um, Uh, yeah, so exciting show. Is it though? Well, it was a lot of excitement going into the show. Oh, okay. Um, there we go. Maybe not so much coming out of it, but we'll we'll get there. I I think I think overall, not not to spoil things too much, but I feel like we were both a little underwhelmed by this episode. Yeah. Overall. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip my hand a little bit. Um, yeah. Just because with the three episodes that came before this, the uh, Rami Malek episode, Sudeikis, and the uh, Kieran Culkin, those were all. Solid shows, those were all they, so- and they kind of built too. It felt like each one was a little better than the last, right? So. I thought I felt like we were building on we were building up momentum. We were like, Oh, this is we're, we're going here, we're getting going. This is building up towards mm-hmm. something. We're you know, we're on the right track, and yeah, this episode, uh, this episode, bit of a stopped. downgrade, bit of a downgrade, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. and I kind of got the feeling, I and we don't discuss the shows too much before we record, usually. Um, we just, like, when we, we record the show uh, Sundays at 1 p.m., or as close to 1 p.m. as we can do it. And so Darren sent his usual text to me uh, today just saying, recording at 1 p.m., and I just said, works for me. I don't think I'm going to rewatch everything, because usually we watch most of the sketches twice just to make sure we get everything down. And you just replied, yeah, I get it. See you at 1 p.m. So I, I saw that and I was just like, oh, so he's not too nuts about the show either. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that really amused me. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into it. But yeah, this episode, I was like, mm, if I was like, guys, what happened? What happened to all the momentum? Like a lot of the sketches in this show felt it. Hmm. Mm. All right, let's get into okay. it. Let's, get into it. Let, let's go go through it sketch by sketch, and we'll we'll figure out what happened. Uh, first, starting out, we have uh, the Ted Cruz Sesame Street cold open. Uh, this opens up with Newsmax for kids. They say, "Coming up, White Power Rangers." Great line, um, and they do Ted Cruz Street because uh, this week, because the world is not insane enough, uh, Ted Cruz picked a fight with a Muppet. 
Yeah, that that really happened. Some a uh, a politician who's actively serving uh just yeah. got all up into it on Twitter and started uh cussing out a children's uh puppet. Yeah, he he got up all in Big Bird's business and did, did he actually cuss? He didn't cuss. Did no, he, he didn't. He didn't cuss. I'm I'm, I'm using a uh, flowery language, John. Oh, okay. But, okay. Um, but yeah, but like you know, a person actively in government is like, all right. So what's what's the big thing I need to tackle today so my constituents will be happy? And apparently, he decided he chose he chose uh, to get into a beef with the puppet. That yeah, that that was the most pressing thing to do that day because the the Big Bird Twitter account said. Oh, I just got vaxxed, or he got, or, or Big Bird got vaccinated on the Sesame Street show, and then Ted Cruz was like, "Oh, you know, this is government propaganda," or blah 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 blah. I mean, just tip the worst possible take <laughs> you can have. Yeah, I think it's a good rule of thumb: if you are picking a fight with a Muppet, you are in the wrong. Yeah, and also, like he's saying, "Oh, this is government propaganda, dude. You're in the government. You work for yeah. the government. So what the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, good premise for a sketch. Yeah, um, like a conservative take on Sesame Street. Like, all right, mm-hmm. that's something. Uh, we have <laughs> we have uh, Cecily uh, Strong come on as Marjorie Taylor Greene. She comes on with an AR-15. Uh, she she <laughs> goes over to some of the kids who are played by Andrew Dismukes, Bowen, and uh, Melissa. And she just says, want to hold an AR-15? And Andrew Dismukes just goes, I don't think I should. And she just immediately goes, pussy. <laughs> um, that amused me. That, that li- I, I like that. I was like, all right. That was the highlight of the sketch. For me. <laughs> just, just the high, just the, the the timing on that was just like, want to hold this? No, pussy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I haven't heard that in, in SNL in a while. All right. Yeah. Um, what else do we have in the sketch? We had We had Kyle showing up as Big Bird. Right, and like him saying, "Oh, I don't feel so good. Maybe the sot gave me COVID," and right. Ted Cruz being like, "Yes, that sounds correct, but don't worry, we can right. have our doctors treat you, Big Bird." And of course, the doctor is uh, Pete Davidson, who is playing Joe Rogan because yeah. Joe Rogan is short and stout and muscular, so of course you get Pete Davidson to play him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, did we mention that A.D. Bryant was playing Ted Cruz? I think we might have skipped over that. Uh, oh, did we, did we? I think we did. I think we mentioned. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I th- it's, a, it's just a given. That's like kind of her thing now. It, it's her. And it's it's the impression that Ted Cruz deserves, I think. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, she she does kind of nail his, his sort of weird, creepy vibe, I think, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what else do we had? We had we had uh, Alex Moffat and Mikey Day showing up as Bert and Ernie. Uh, the joke there is that they're a gay couple, but Ted is so oblivious he doesn't realize it. Yeah, he calls them proud boys, and of course they are proud boys. Right. Yes. Um, we also have uh, oh Chris Red as Oscar the Slouch, who represent right. who's supposed to represent the Dems who take your money and don't work and don't contribute to society because they just leech off. Us hard-working red state folks, all real Americans, and blah, blah, blah. Right, and they spend all their money on pornography and drugs. Yes. So. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Oh, and <laughs> we had uh, Aristotle Atari as the recount count, who is who's arguing that Trump actually won the election. 
Uh, and he talked about moving to Arizona. And then at the very end, just because it was another story in the news this week, we have Chloe Fineman come in as Britney Spears. Yeah, that really felt tacked on. Like that had that nothing. That was so random because I was just like, "What? Why is this here?" Other than that, this was a story in the news because it, uh, the Britney Spears thing, it is a big story. A lot of people are talking about it, but it has nothing to do with Republicans and Democrats. Nothing at all. It, it was just like, "Oh, this happened this week." Well, we got to put it in the cold open, even though we have no take on it or nothing really to say about it. But we got to right. mention it because it happened. And it's like she just she just came on and said one thing. Said we did it, and, guys, and that was it. Yeah, I was like, mm. yeah. She was like, the word of the day is freedom, and it, it's just a weird, out of nowhere ending. It was just it was this weird combo breaker in the sketch, which I thought, which I thought was all right. It. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking, not- I'm thinking they put it in there because, like, they know the crowd is filled with Taylor Swift fans, and mm-hmm. they, they would like to see something like that, like a like a Britney Spears mention, that's enough to get them hooping and hollering. Yeah. Even though if they don't have well, a take just, on it. Just do this whole sketch about the Britney Spears thing. Uh, that that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was up and down. Um, I guess I liked it overall. I just thought week ending, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't nuts about the Bert and Ernie or a gay couple thing, just because that joke seems very hack to me at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like um, Peppermint Patty and Marcy are a couple type of joke. It's yeah, like, all right, yeah. yeah, we get it. We've heard it. Yeah, we we get it. It's it's been it's been done for like at least a decade so. to death. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like it's. I feel the same thing. It's like it was. It was an interesting enough premise. I don't know if they if. The, just because it like like it does it every cold open, it kind of hops around from uh, yeah. th- it it fits in too much, and it doesn't really have anything to say about each of the thing it brings up. Yeah, which you know again is something I've always felt as an issue. Like they feel like they have to bring up, you know, uh, the Proud Boys or the Britney thing, where they don't really have anything to say about it, but they just right put it in there it, somewhere. It's just kind of like, hey, this is a thing that happened this week, and. Like that's that's fine in weekend update, but for a cold open, I'd re- I'd really rather see a much more focused sketch and just like yeah, go with the Ted Cruz Sesame Street thing. I thought that's that's a pretty good premise. And yeah, yeah and it felt like they their attention kind of wandered or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it was just kind of like all right, it's you're like it's you're 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 kind of on the right path, but it didn't kind of. Diverged yeah. a few places. Also, no James Austin Johnson. The they rain broke the streak. They broke the cold open kid streak. The rain what? is over. The rain is over. Oh, oh my God! What what are you even doing if you're not putting James Austin Johnson in your cold open to do an impression? People? I mean, did we even see a cold open if James Austin Johnson wasn't in it? I mean, not at this point because we we had literally five episodes in a row with him. Which is exceptional, especially for a new cast member. Yeah, but at this, I uh, guess they, they benched their, uh, their the cold open kid. It's just, yeah. Wow, I, I don't know what it's, to think. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it, but that's a bad omen. That's yeah. <laughs> it gets us off to a weird start. It's, yeah, this was the black cat crossing our path. <laughs> uh, so next we have uh, Jonathan Major's monologue uh, comes out uh, talks about how 
he's in the new Netflix Western, uh, The Harder They Fall. And like, if you ever want to feel self-conscious about your looks, just stand next to Idris Elba for a few months. That's I get it. I get it. That's a good line. Um, talked about how he's a military brat, moved around a lot, went to Yale. Uh, at one point he was like homeless and he was working at Red Lobster and Olive Garden at the same time. But right. uh, they, they have the same parent company, so that's totally cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. He also mentioned, uh, you know, other people that worked at Red Lobster, like uh, Chris Rock. He, I know Chris Rock has mentioned he worked at Red Lobster in Queens. Um, uh-huh. Nicki Minaj. Probably before he was on SNL. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine him coming straight from shooting, you know, Bring the Pain and going to his uh, day shift at Red Lobster. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Get out of here, buddy. I got I to gotta flip lobster tails. <laughs> Gotta make the tram. <laughs> but uh, what what what'd you think of this monologue overall? I th- I thought he had a lot of energy and he seemed he seemed nice. It was it was kind of endearing. Yeah, yeah, it seemed nice and endearing. He did have a lot of energy. Uh, seemed nervous in a few places. Like it seemed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that energy was nervous energy, but he definitely seemed a little like I don't know, a little little too hyped up. I guess uh, he stumbled over a few words here and there and. Uh-huh. I mean, but at at the same time, he he seems he did he did seem very sort of charming and you know likable and like that's pretty yeah. much all these uh what all these co- uh, monologues have been doing for the past uh, few episodes where it's you know just them sort of letting the audience know about them and their background, especially if they're a a person who maybe isn't in the uh, isn't in the uh, public zeitgeist or may not be as well known. Uh, as other as other folks so yeah yeah yeah. um i liked his line he talked about he said i'm i'm in the new ant-man movie or as black marvel fans call it not black not black panther go on then major (laughs) that's a good line yeah yeah not bad um uh, decent monologue not one for the ages i would say yeah decent i'll say i'll give it a decent decent okay uh, next we have our first sketch, uh, March of the Suitors. This was on a, like a mock history channel show called Forgotten Monarchs. Uh, this had Chloe as Queen Matilda and, uh, Mikey and Adie as her aides. And she's just, she's trying to find the most suitable suitor, I guess. Uh, yeah. And it's just, you know, people coming up trying to, uh, to woo the queen and be her betrothed. So, of course, mm-hmm. uh, first person we have uh, Kyle as the Queen's guy friend who she doesn't like him like that. Of course, yeah. of course, it's played by Kyle, who's always the uh, beta cuck loser guy. <laughs> he, I mean, he, 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 he gets that he gets that he gets that role a lot throughout the show. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see how that type of role is fun to play, though. So, I mean, he he seems to enjoy playing awkward a lot. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good part for him. Uh, uh, the guy who's stuck in the quote unquote friend zone, right? Uh, uh, next, we we also had uh, Andrew Dismukes and Cecily coming in, and she's like sort of Cecily was like talking Andrew up, and we find out that he is quite well endowed, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, they're like two commoners, and Cecily kind of comes in with this, you know, strong Cockney accent, almost reminding me of like something out of Money Python. Mm-hmm. Which is like, eh, love, eh, queen, me boy, not not much to look at, but he's got a huge oggy as, you know. So 
something like that. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, right? That that was startling. I yeah. mean, I thought I was co-hosting the show with a Cockney yeah. guy. Hello, 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 hello. How's it going there, Lof? I was like, wait a minute. Am I in a production of Oliver Twist? <laughs> no, I'm co-hosting a podcast. Um, I was trying to think of an Oliver Twist song, but nothing. I was thinking of Oliver and Company. Come like, city yourself. At, oh, right. That's from there. On the city yourself. Not of the family. family. Okay. And that's the limit of the lyrics that I know. But uh, I just know because wasn't it in like a butter commercial back in the day or something like that? Uh, probably. That seems like it would have been a butter commercial jingle somewhere along the line. Yeah. yeah. All right. That sounds about right. Um, they also have a song called Food Glorious Food. Ooh, maybe that was in the butter commercial. What was that's, that? Uh, that all, all the starving orphans are singing that at the beginning. Food Glorious Food. Right. Ba, 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 da, 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 da. Mustard something. Yeah. Yeah. Cu- they rhyme mustard and custard. I remember yeah. that. That was a, a bar. So, uh, I, I probably haven't seen Oliver in like 20 years or more. So uh, I'm doing well to remember that much. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, yeah. So so that's uh, Andrew and Cecily, mm-hmm. you know, making a big dick joke. And then, of course, we have uh, Jonathan Majors. And Keenan, Jonathan, you know, presenting himself as a suitable suitor. And then mm-hmm. uh, Ego comes in, of course, at the suitor's husband saying, or the suitor's wife saying, hey, he's, he's not who he says he is. He's actually my husband with six kids at home. And, right. And, Ego, uh, I, I enjoyed this segment of the sketch because Ego is really good at berating people. Yes. Um, that's That seems to be like one of her lanes where she's just like, oh, no, you're doing this stupid thing. Uh, yeah, it's like she kind of brought in the same energy she had in that uh, pre-tape a few uh, episodes back with the uh, the uh, a teacher. Yes, pre-tape. Yeah. It, was, it was like that, just berating. You're a straight C student. That's not hot for me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it it had that that same energy. And uh, last week we had Punky as uh, she she swings the other way and she's like kind of shooting her shot right. with like, Matilda and Matilda's. She's possibly open to it. It's like, hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, nice little role for Punky, uh, who mm-hmm. we haven't seen too much of this season. Punky so. is still a little underutilized on the show. Yeah. Um, so, and hope to see more of her this season, you know? Yeah, but part of me does think that, like, I mean, you know, just because she got this role because, you know, she's I, you know, she's a, a, a gay person. And, like, part of me she's did... Yeah. Yeah, part of me did think, oh, if... If Kate McKinnon was there and wasn't shooting a movie in Australia, part of me thinks they would have given this role to Kate. Uh, yeah, very possibly. Yeah, sure. So it's good. Good that Kate's out of the country. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's that is the advantage of having such a big cast is that Lauren can let people go off and do these side projects, and he still has more or less a full house right so it's like oh kate's out let's use the other lesbian we have in our cast <laughs> i wouldn't be that blatant about it but okay, oh, okay. all right maybe all right maybe whatever <laughs> um, but yeah I, I thought this was just very eh, overall yeah overall um i think this sketch has the this is this this sketch i don't know if this was this should have been this first sketch to come out of the gate and I also think this sketch kind of has the same problem that a lot of the sketches have throughout the night that I noticed. And that's, there's not a lot of uh, heightening. There's not a lot of escalating in this yes. sketch. Like the, basically the premise is 
Queen's looking for suitors. They bring out a bunch of suitors, which is it's fine here's enough. Here's this weird suitor. Here's this weird suitor. Now here's this weird suitor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a fine enough premise, but then like you need either really strong writing or really strong performances from people to like really elevate it. And I don't know. It, I really feel like that wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It didn't. It didn't really build. I just, yeah, I, I just thought it was a mediocre sketch. I didn't really get why this was first in the lineup. So uh, next, we had a pre-tape uh, from "Please Don't Destroy." This uh, this was kind of exciting because we had uh, Pete Davidson coming in, uh, talking to the "Please Please Don't Destroy" guys, and he suggested they collaborate, and uh, they stop. They collaborate. They listen. Oh, damn. To the extreme, I rock the mic like a vandal. Light up a stage and watch the chump like a candle. Dance! <laughs> so, uh, just to update everyone, we're so-so on the lyrics for Oliver, but we still remember Vanilla Ice's one hit, Ice Ice Baby. Don't touch my skills, son! Um, so, yeah, they're like, yes, let's collaborate on you know one of your rap songs. And... They do they do a song that they discover while they're shooting the video is called Three Sad Virgins. And it's just about how Pete's friends with all these cool hip happening people and then also these three sad virgins. Yeah. Um hmm. I, I don't I mean, I thought this sketch was okay. It is mm-hmm. weird how I mean the sketch starts off as a please don't destroy sketch. And I guess ultimately it is yeah. a please don't destroy sketch, but it does quickly turn into oh, it's another Pete rapping sketch or another Pete well, rapping I mean video. it was it was kind of a hybrid between those two between what the please don't destroy guys do and what yeah. what Pete does and I thought it was a good collaboration I thought uh it had some of the the feel of the old uh, lonely island sketches I liked how they had Taylor Swift come in towards the end to sing the bridge with like really specific insults for all the guys Yeah I mean I actually thought that was interesting like the way they sort of break down each guy because it is a good way to introduce each individual guy to the audience because right. we just know them as oh the please don't destroy guys it's, we don't know them like by name but then they go right. in and they say oh this is john he has a big head this is ben he's tall and he's redheaded and he looks like a big bird without the feathers and that's martin right. or or the wendy's girl the wendy's girl oh. yeah ben's the redhead mm-hmm. and then martin is the one that looks like a egon spengler like a young teenage Egon. Or a Scarecrow. Or a Scarecrow. I threw in the yes. Egon thing. That's that's yes. me. That's a Darren original. Um, and and I like the joke that uh, they're they not nuts about Pete insulting them, but they're also just so excited to be in Pete's video that they don't really want to say anything. Yeah, so. they, they kind of like Pete's playing like the sort of uh, like super cool confident version of himself where like, I think at one point I think it's John holds out his hand so Pete can use it as an ashtray <laughs> he like dabs out some yeah. ashes from his cigarette into his hand so we yeah Pete's playing like a sort of u- uber cool version of himself which I thought was an interesting uh, twist yeah yeah um, I liked how, how Taylor had a lyric about um, how they're like too self-conscious to take their shirts off in front of a woman <laughs> um, and they're like yeah that is and, true and she's and while she's singing this, she's like slinking up to the guys and like, you know, putting her hands on their, their faces and stuff. And it looks like a typical rock video or rap video. Um, but just it's not until you listen to the lyrics and watch some of the visuals that you see how 
they're kind of uh, subverting it. Uh, I I liked I really liked the fact that this was in the first half hour of the show. That felt like a real vote of confidence for the police don't destroy guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, just because they've been sort of relegated to the ten to one era, but I mean, mm-hmm. I also think the fact that Taylor Swift and Pete Davidson were in this video probably is what got it bumped up to the front a little bit. Just You're because, probably right. Yeah. Just if, be, it, yeah. That that's a good thought. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't solely about the please don't destroy guys, but yeah, like it's that. still like kind of a coup for them because it it says up top a please don't destroy video. So right, I mean this might and this also might be a way to introduce like people who may not stay up till the end of the show to sort of introduce them to to them. It's like that's like true. people who are like super Taylor Swift fans and see mm-hmm. this watch this video because Taylor Swift's in it. Then they're like, oh, those guys are kind of funny. Let me see what else they do. So maybe this yeah. is like their way of sort of, you know, uh, siphoning some of uh, Taylor Swift's uh, fan base into their own yes. fan base. Yeah. And I think this season is also doing a really nice job at integrating the new people into the show. I, I like that we have a nice feel for the Please Don't Destroy guys and the new cast members of Aristotle and Sarah, both of whom we'll see more of later on in the show, and uh, and also uh, James Austin uh, Johnson, yeah, the... who, despite breaking his cold open streak, which we're still kind of mad about, but <clears throat> yeah, um... Hulk smash. <laughs> so so this is cool. I think this was one of the stronger things of the night. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I thought, th- I thought this was okay. It, it, it's definitely one of the stronger. Uh, parts of of the night, you know, I'm not, I ain't mad yeah, at it. It sounds like I liked it a lot more than you did. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that I know, I guess also I thought because like when we when we first found out about these guys, people automatically connected them to the Lonely Island. Like this, like oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's three white guys who write sketches and shoot pre tapes. Oh, they're like Lonely Island. So like part of yeah. me thought they would maybe try to get away from that and sort of create its own thing or be its own entity. But like something like this video seems like exactly like something that the Lonely Island guys would do. So well, I don't, I don't think their sense of humor is entirely the same. But I think the show is obviously always looking for something to fill that slot in the show to generate the the pre taped potentially viral content that Lonely Island would do. Yeah. So some for the kids. Yeah, and that's fine. And I mean, for a while that was. That was Beck and Kyle doing that because they were partners and they'd done a lot of stuff together. And uh, with Beck off the show now, it makes sense to have another group of people doing that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think that, mm-hmm. I thought this was okay, but I didn't, I didn't like super love it. But I was like, all right, this is this is a step in the right direction. And then uh, okay. then we get to our next sketch, which is uh, hmm. Audacity and Advertising Awards. Um, I didn't take many notes on this, and this is not one that I rewatch, which I suppose tells you a lot that I uh, <laughs> that I wasn't too nuts about this one. Uh, this had Jonathan Majors as Jake from State Farm and Heidi as Flo from Progressive. And they're just giving awards for various odd advertising categories. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the concept might have been too much. For this, because like I mean, I got what they were doing. Like the concept is basically like when you see an ad that um, maybe sort of is tacks itself onto it, like a really important issue to make itself look more like important and actually caring about said issue. But right. they're, they're, 
but it's really just trying to sell you whatever it's trying to sell you. Like, um, uh, oh, well, like that Pepsi commercial with yeah. uh, Kendall Jenner. Exactly. Like they compared it, they called their war to, oh, this, they compared it to the Pepsis. And then they showed a picture of the infamous Pepsi commercial with uh, Kendall Jenner, where it tries to be more like woke and socially aware and sort of present itself as this, uh, you know, caring company. But it's actually, in reality, it's just, they're just trying to sell you shit like every other corporate uh, overlord is. Exactly. And they're just trying to grab onto whatever's in the news or popular at the moment. Exactly. I mean, just corporations. Like itself in some ways. Yeah. So. It's corporations, man, trying to control you, man. <laughs> yeah. I threw it to uh, the ground. I, I also wrote, eh, for this one in my notes. But I used three H's in the app. I just <laughs> used two H's. So... I liked this less than the last thing. There you go. Uh, I mean, it had some moments, like um, like one commercial that they showed in there. It was Kyle and uh, James Austin Johnson. Kyle was FaceTiming his father, who had just come out to his son. And um, Kyle was like, oh, mom knew all the time you were gay. He's like, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I miss her. So, yeah, I miss your mom, too. And just, the father's like saying just breaks out bawling and crying. It's like, oh my God, I've wasted my life. Facebook yeah. portal. It's like, and so the whole, it was like this super somber, serious commercial, but right. it was just an ad for Facebook portal. Like I get, I get what they were trying to do. Cause I have, you know, we've all seen ads like that where mm-hmm. they're very heavy handed and they're trying to present themselves as more like, I don't, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what was wrong here. I, I mean, it was interesting. They had it hosted by uh, uh, Jake from State Farm and Flo from Progressive because, like, that that actress who's playing Flo, it's kind of hilarious because she's been doing it forever. I don't know how long those commercials have been running. Probably somewhere around a decade at this point. Right. And and you can tell at a, after a certain point, she must have like renegotiated her contract, and she's like. Oh no, I need this next batch of commercials to show my versatility as an actress so I can still have a career later. So like you see you see those ads where she's that the flow actress is playing her entire family and each one's a different character. Right, right. And it's like is is somebody going to see the the progressive ad and be like that's our lady Medea? <laughs> just yeah, lady Medea. I, I just find that amusing because the, the poor woman's probably going to be typecast for the rest of her life so i hope to god progressive is taking care of her i yeah i do too i mean the same thing with uh i forget the name of that woman that's uh the at&t girl but oh yeah her uh or the snapple lady you remember the snapple lady oh the snapple lady whoa that's a yeah that's a that's a blast from the past yeah yeah although I, I feel like she hit on some hard times i have a vague memory of reading something about that yeah or even the uh, woman in the toyota commercials um yeah, you, you hope all these people mm-hmm. kind of bounce back and are able to have a flourishing career, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I think I think maybe the concept for this sketch was maybe I think I think maybe they bit off more than they could chew with this. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Like we also had um Alex Moffat as, you know, the Limu Emu and uh, Doug or Limu Emu and Human Friend and then yeah. they, they had like a puppet uh, Emu which I thought was kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I think that I, I wrote that down, so I either thought that was going to be a bigger deal than it was, or th- something about that amused me. But I didn't rewatch it, so I don't, <laughs> I don't remember what amused me about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a puppet. All right, I'm, I'm sorry. 
Uh, yeah, and then they cut to another commercial where it was like a testimonial where Melissa was saying, oh, my school burned down in a fire, and uh, it was a tragedy, and ever since then, I've wanted to become a firefighter. Working for Amazon has helped me reach, <laughs> get closer to my dream. Thank oh, God, yeah. And yeah. All the news stories about Amazon are about what a freaking nightmare it is to work for that company, particularly like if you're in the warehouse. Right. Where they like, I don't think they allow bathroom breaks or something. I mean, it's just insane working conditions. Yeah, they make you pee in Gatorade bottles and whatnot. So I remember like somebody who'd, who'd been in the military and done like a couple tours in Iraq or something. And he was like, yeah, working for Amazon is the toughest thing I've ever done. Oh, God. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah. Guys, next time, <laughs> when you get an Amazon package, thank that person for their service. Yeah. So. Wear a yellow ribbon or something. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and then there was like another scene where they showed a baby in a cribs and the text over it saying, this baby is trans, Feliz Navidad from the Sacklers. And it's like, I I didn't even get that. I think the I looked up the Sacklers because I didn't even know who they were. But apparently I think they're, um, wait, Sackler family or American family founded and owned the pharmaceutical companies, Purdue Pharma and Mundi Pharma. I... <laughs> Yeah, I'm supposed to just automatically know that. I guess I don't know. I think, okay. like, I I agree with sort of the premise of what they're doing because yeah, you know, corporations do do things like that and have ads like that, and they are ridiculous. I don't think they were able to find the humor in it, and I think the yeah. the idea was a little bit too big for them to tackle. Yeah, this this was just a swing and a mess for me. I didn't. Yeah, didn't I, work for me. Yeah, it's a good concept, but it's. I don't know, it maybe it was just too big a concept. Um, next, we had Strange Kid Tales. This is a show on the Sci Fi Channel, co hosted by Keenan and Jonathan Majors as his co host. And they just bring on a bunch of parents and kids, and they're freaked out by all the scary stories they hear. Uh, again, this is some a sketch where it needed more heightening, more escalation, and really yeah. go anywhere. This, this, this one, yeah. Uh, I really thought this was repetitive, and I just wish it built more or at all. It didn't. It didn't build. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I was like wondering. All right, so what's the joke here? That like kids are say creepy things from time to time. You know, which is true. They do. Like, like I'm sure if you know anybody who has kids, like their kids will be talking about their imaginary friends and how they see ghosts around. Well, I, I, I was thinking the, the joke was more about how the hosts were reacting to it and just saying like, kind of. Uh, talking about or showing that the way the way that black people relax, uh, react to those types of stories rather than white people. See, did you not I, think that? Or no, not? I did think that too. Cause like, and that's another problem with this guy. I'm not sure what they're trying to say. Are they trying to say, all right, kids say creepy things sometimes. Like they had that uh, Alex Moffat brought out that one kid who says he remembers being a pilot in the army and he right. remembers dying. You know, like, is that the joke that kids say creepy things? Or the joke is that, you know, black people see sort of creepy, supernatural things like this and react like, you know, oh, hell no, I ain't going near that. Like, yeah, like, they're, they're like, nope, I'm out. No, I'm out. And they're like, they, they get up and they start wandering the set. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they were trying to say with this sketch. I think I, that I felt like it was more about the host's reaction than about the kids. I, I feel like the kids' creepy stories were just to set up the reactions from the host. That was my take on it, but yeah, yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And the reactions were, I mean, I guess they were amusing enough, but mm -hmm. they, but 
still wasn't strong enough to carry the sketch. Like halfway through the sketch, I was like, "All right, what are we what are we doing here? <laughs> what yeah. what is this?" And I was, was kind of like halfway through, I was like, "Okay, I I get the point." Yeah, and then they repeat it, the it point. Yeah, it didn't build. Yeah, they like they give it. You get the point early on, and then they repeat the point, and then they repeat the point, and yeah. then they repeat the point until you're thinking, "What is the point?" Yeah, bars. <laughs> I got lyrics, son. <laughs> Turn your tree and I write the mic like a vandal. Okay. Um, so next we had another pre-tape. Uh, this was called Man Park. Uh, this was just talking about how there are a lot of men uh, these days who their only social outlet is their wives or their girlfriends. And uh, so... For that, they have Man Park, which is like a dog park, but for men in relationships who need a social outlet besides their wives or girlfriends, and they can make friends with other men. Uh, yeah, basically. I actually found out this sketch was actually cut from last week's. Like, this was supposed to be in the yeah. Karen Culkin episode, but it got cut and it got put into this episode. And thank God it did, because I, I thought this was a sketch of the night. I really dug the concept. I like, the, I like how they mm-hmm. sort of compared men to dogs because like you know the same way if you if you have a dog like when you get home from work your dog just runs up to you and jumps on you because it's so happy to mm-hmm. see you because you've been gone all day and that's how some men are like if you're you know if, if you've been out at work all day and your man's been home all day they'll run up to you because they haven't seen anybody and they're like oh my god thank god you're here let's talk about dune <laughs> or yes. whatever yes i like that comparison and then the fact that they had like a man park and you know men trying to meet up with other men in the park mm-hmm. saying, you know, oh, Marvel, 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 Marvel. Like, <laughs> yeah. And they're just, and that's, that's the extent of the conversation. That's how I start about 50% of my conversation. <laughs> you say DC, um, don't you? DC, DC, DC. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I segue into DC too, but it, it's easier to bond with people over the MCQ. Um, Fair enough. But, but yes, I am more of a DC guy than, than a Marvel guy at heart. So, uh, yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, I, I would I would totally avail myself of this service because <laughs> it is harder to make friends the older you get in life, um, right? And and men are not socialized to uh, to to reach out. So yeah, yeah, because like they even say in the sketch, make and for men, masculinity makes you know intimacy so hard. Or I think mm-hmm. I also like that the, at the very end of the sketch where I think Heidi gives like a testimonial saying, yeah, men are taught that it's weak to rely on each other. So in some ways it's harder to be a man. And then she immediately is like, wait, no, don't record me saying that. Don't take, yes. take that out. Take that out. <laughs> uh, wonderfully played by Heidi. Um, yeah. I, I really like this. This is, this is way up there for me. This is, I, I think this is my, for actual sketches, this is my number one of the evening, but there was another thing coming a, a little later that I liked a bit more. So. Ooh. All right. Interesting. So, teaser all right but yeah um, i i enjoy the sketch i liked how they shouted out things at each other like dogs barking at each other would you know pats mm-hmm. jets pats jets uh yes you know the park for smaller dogs there's two guys yelling rick morty rick morty yeah yeah like i it was yeah i i wonder if since it was edited out or cut from last week's show if there were any bits with kieran culkin in them that they cut out since he wasn't hosting this week hmm not sure. I wonder if there's a longer version out there. Mm. Maybe, maybe they reshot some bits. Who knows? <laughs> Release the Snyder cut of 
this of this sketch. Release the Kieran Culkin cut. Culkin cut. Culkin cut. Culkin cut. Culkin cut. Culkin cut. Oh, let's get that hashtag trending. Oh, please. But yeah, this this was really strong. Also, it it's it's short. I mean, how long was this? Like two and a half minutes, three minutes? Yeah, that's another thing that had it going for it. It didn't overstay its welcome. I believe this was like two and a half minutes. It wasn't even three. Yeah. So yeah, which uh, so that's that's great. That's what I want on a comedy sketch. Get to the point. Boom. Get out. And that's the advantage of the pre tapes is because you can you can just cut and you can just have gag 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 gag, and you can have lots of different setups. So absolutely, you don't have to worry about those boring middle bits. Yeah. So f- for me, sketch of the night. Okay. All right. Next, we had our musical guest, Miss Taylor Swift, doing uh, a 10-minute version of her song, All Too Well. Woo! And uh, production-wise, this was pretty incredible. I mean, she she had leaves all over the studio floor and then a, a giant video screen behind her playing a video that she directed. Wrote, uh, wrote and directed. Yeah. Uh, and it's all too well. And they, she had like two young actors in this and it, it was a short film. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a strong song. Uh, apparently it's all about her three month relationship and breakup with Jake Gyllenhaal, who she dated about a decade ago. Yeah. Like, a, so apparently this is an old song. It's, uh, it came mm-hmm. out on her album red, which came out around, uh, 2012. So, right. and, uh, I think that, um, I think she she like re-recorded a bunch of songs because I think uh, her masters belong. Well, you know more about this yeah. than I do, right? She well, I did a little research on this because I wanted to get up to speed on this. And okay, so she like a lot of uh, musicians, she does not own her own music, or at least she does not own her master recordings. Um, so she offered to buy back those master recordings from her uh, record company. And you know she had the money to do it, of course, but her, I think her record company was like, no, no, we're good. Um, we're going to keep them, thanks, and keep earning millions and millions of dollars on them. Bye! So, so, so Taylor Swift was just like, okay, then I will just re-record them all, and I will own them all uh, of those versions. So if you see a song where it's like, you know, all too well, and then parentheses Taylor's version, that's the version that she owns, and that's the new version. And she re-recorded her album Red, and she also recorded a bunch of songs that were cut from from that album uh, back in the day. So, right. and those are called uh, From the Vault, and, and it's things that were left off the original. And apparently she's like listened to a lot of feedback from her fans and stuff, and this song was like a real fan favorite. So... Yeah, she was like, "I'm gonna do this full ten minute version of the song and include some cutting lines that were cut the first time around." Yeah, actually, I think like a few nights before her performance, she was on Jimmy Fallon and she kind of hinted yes. that she might do this. Like she, I, yeah, she she was on Jimmy Fallon this week. She was also on uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers this week, and I watched uh, both of those segments. And okay, she's she's very charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a she's a charmer. Uh, yeah. so like once, when she, she hinted at that, people online were like, oh, is she going to do a 10 minute version of the song on SNL? So mm-hmm. when it happened, I wasn't too surprised. I was like, all right, this seems, yeah, this, she said she was going to do it and here she is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got, I mean, <laughs> I was just surprised. I was like, wait, she only dated him for three months. Yeah. And 
She got like a 10 minute song out of three months of dating some dude. I mean, my exes don't remember my name. She dated him like right before she turned 21 and you feel things so intensely at that age. I, I can get it. Uh, I, I get that. Oh, she wasn't 21 yet. When, yeah, like okay, mm. hang on. I I I found a story on L about this. Um, okay, it says all too well. Of course, is widely to believed to be about Swift's ex, Jake Gyllenhaal. Swift and Gyllenhaal dated for three months in October 2010. Okay, that's a weird sentence right there. Yeah, <laughs> because how do you date someone for three months inside one month? <laughs> <laughs> that's. Time is an illusion, Michael. An L editor saw that and was just like, yeah, that's good. Let's go that. <laughs> Run with it. Approved. Um, it says uh, this was right before she turned 21. And she mentioned that in the song. Uh, Gyllenhaal at the time was 29 on the cusp of turning 30. Mm. Uh, Swift's line, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age, ended up being truthful as Gyllenhaal at 40 has been dating model Jean Cadu, who is 25. Mm. So, oh. um, and apparently he hasn't returned her his car. So oh. <laughs> that's the real injustice. Yeah. It's a really nice and, scarf. Get her that scarf back. Uh, let's see. The article goes on to say Swift spoke to New York magazine in 2013, though, and confirmed the subject of all too well heard the track. Uh, I heard from the guy that most of Red is about. Uh, he was like, I just listened to the album and that was a really bittersweet experience for me. It was like going through a photo album. Uh, that was nice. Nicer than like the ranting crazy emails I got from this one dude. Uh, it's a lot more mature way of looking at a love that was wonderful until it was terrible and both people got hurt from it. But one of those people happened to be a songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if we learn anything from this guy, guys, don't date songwriters because... You know they're gonna. That, well, that's gonna, you know it's it's scary. They're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna put it all on wax. <laughs> yeah, and apparently this thing she does, she's. I know she dated um, uh, Tom Hiddleston for a while. Yeah, and I feel like she has some other famous exes, but I don't know. Uh, I think she dated one of the Jonas Brothers, and oh, that sounds right. Yeah, I feel like maybe John Mayer at one point. Yeah, he's dated a lot of people. That sounds right. <laughs> dated half the Eastern Seaboard. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, all right. So overall, what do you think of this song? I mean, it's it's a strong song. I I rewatched it. I was really impressed with it uh, production wise. Um, honestly, I what I'd like to see, I'd like to see footage of the SNL crew cleaning up all those leaves from the stage. Right after <laughs> the stage. Looks like New Year. Looks like Times Square and New Year, New Year's Eve. Are they sweeping them up? Do they have leaf blowers? What do they do to get them out of there? <laughs> oh god! All right, so uh, all right, so here's I pulled up who has Taylor Swift dated. Of course, okay. uh, we're getting into this. Uh, yeah, John Mayer, Harry Styles, mm-hmm. Joe Jonas, Taylor Lautner, uh, Calvin Harris. I don't know who that is. Um, me neither. Yeah, she's uh, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Oh, okay. Joe Alwyn. She's dating now. Um, I don't know who that is. Yeah, some some guy. Uh, okay, Calvin Harris, ba ba ba, pop star Eli Gould. Uh, I'm not sure. Who... Does it say how long she dated any of these these people? Uh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston, June to September of 2016. Uh, Calvin yeah, Harris, 2015, 
February to June 2016. So that was a while. Oh my God, they've got, they've got this documented. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, you have no idea. Like, you have no idea how the Taylor Swift fandom how deep it runs. Oh, I mean, I'm guess I'm not surprised because she does have a very uh, intense or or, or very uh, enthusiastic fan base. Oh yeah, there. So, she's like the like uh, Beyonce for white people. Like they they go in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like if you're not quite old enough for Adele. Taylor Swift, she's she's your lady. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, that's mostly the, the people I know. But yeah, she's uh, okay. They a lot of a lot of fellas. Ain't nothing wrong. Yeah. Ain't nothing wrong with I that. Mean, I I think it's impressive that it was it was like a full ten minute song. I don't think I ever got bored with it. Um, the second time I listened to it, I, I was listening to the lyrics a lot more. The the first time I was just kind of letting the song wash over me. Uh, I mean, how'd you like it? Uh, the same way as you, I think. I th- I think uh, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan. I'm not. I don't really mm-hmm. listen to her music that much at all. It all kind of sounds like you know pleasant pop music. Um, yeah. When I first heard it, I was like, "Oh, this sounds okay." Um, but I, my yeah. wife sort of imp- uh, appreciates her a lot more than I do. So I gave on. I gave it a second listen, and I really listened to the lyrics, and I was like, "Oh, okay. There's some good writing here. Some good lyrics. Like I think one of the lyrics." Yeah. One of the lyrics, she said something like, you know, the, all the times you double-crossed my mind or something like that. I was like, all right, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's yeah. clever. That's a good line. That's a yeah, good yeah. Line. So, um, and maybe one of those things yeah, where... There's, yeah. there's some nice imagery in the song and stuff. She is a strong songwriter. I think I first kind of revised my opinion of her was when um, Death Cab for Cutie covered her song, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. Mm. And they kind of slowed it down and they, they gave it like this real eerie treatment. And... The, the the song had just this whole new feel for me. Oh, um, so I I was really impressed by that, and I was like, oh okay, there's more with Taylor. There's more going on with Taylor Swift than I thought at first, because yeah, more than meets the eye. Exactly, she's like a transformer. <laughs> Robots in disguise. Right. Da, right. Da, 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 da. So we know bits of Oliver, the Transformers theme. And Ice Ice Baby. Right. So that's that lets you know where we're at, people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, you know, we, we kind of left the mainstream of pop culture behind by the time Taylor Swift came around. Because yeah. we, we're two dudes in our 40s. We're, we are not her target audience. Yeah. And that's fine. Not everything has to be for us. Yeah, I'm not about to push out the Vanilla Ice lyrics out of my brain and put in Taylor Swift lyrics. Those, oh, no. No, Lord, no. no. I mean, why? Why would you? That sounds like work. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a strong performance. It was a good performance. Uh, something mm-hmm. I appreciated a little bit more upon second hearing. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. It was good. Like I, I know a lot of people sort of compare her to maybe like one of the stronger singer songwriters of our day, maybe like a like the new Carly Simon or James Taylor or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like I mean, I'd have to listen a bit a little bit more to you know if I to co-sign on that or not. But like. Uh, I don't know. Like after listening to a second time and really listening to the lyrics, I was like, "Oh, all right, she's, she's she has a little bit more going on than I gave her credit for." I, I need I need to educate myself. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was it's kind of cool to learn a little more about her. And apparently, the re-recording her previous albums thing it is an ongoing project. My friend uh, Rini uh, from the Fangirls Dilemma. Uh, she's at Fangirl Dilemma on uh, on Twitter. If you want to follow her, she's cool. Done. Uh, she said she says it's an ongoing project. She also did Fearless, which was her mainstream breakthrough. Red is a big deal in particular because it's the fan favorite album. So she's going to be doing this re-recording thing for a few more years. 
and apparently she's so prolific she has like all, all these loads of unused songs so that's pretty exciting oh far out yeah so yeah tip of the hat to taylor swift there yeah absolutely thumbs up yep uh so next uh weekend update colin jost michael che michael che michael che um, he opens, uh, just opened it up, just says the lesson we all learned this week is never break up with Taylor Swift. And he just says, at least return the scarf. <laughs> Not a bad line. You don't have to do it in person. Send it a FedEx it or get a messenger. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, Jay had a nice line about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial where he just says, you know, is there a white tears law school I don't know about? Yeah, because you know them, them white tears, man. They 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 be helping you out. Uh, I also liked. Um, Trey had this one joke that uh, he was talking about Texas and how Texas says the mask mandate uh, law violates the Disabilities Act because in Texas you have to treat everyone with respect, you know, until you until you execute them. Awkward <laughs> silence. Yeah, the audience was like, oh. <laughs> is that is that the one that that had him say I don't know why I thought that would make you laugh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just love Jay because he's just like a no BS guy and he's just like totally honest and like if a joke doesn't do well he's just like okay whatever. Yeah, he had that, he had that other joke talking about how uh, Britney Spears um uh you know is now free from her uh, her parental conservatorship. conservatorship and how the media is excited to that Britney is back on her feet. So they can knock her right back down again. And yeah, the sad thing is, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. He, he had some dark stuff here, Mister J. He did. He did. I liked. Um, there was there was some politician who said men are turning to pornography and video games, and and Jay goes, "That's not true. I also drink." Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was also that one about the uh, airline in Vegas that offering planes mm-hmm. to nowhere just so people can have sex in the air. And, uh, oh, cool, said the polar bear in 60-degree weather. Yep. <laughs> Yikes. And uh, and just after that, Joe's was like, this will get him back. And he, he told a joke about uh, Giraffery Dahmer, <laughs> which I just wrote down that name because it sort of somewhat amused me. It, they, they seem to be really having fun this week. Yeah, yeah. I, sometimes even when, even when the jokes themselves weren't too strong, they just seemed to have a nice energy to them. And there was something very endearing about that. So... It, when I rewatched the segment, I, because of that energy, at times it seemed stronger than it actually was. Yeah, you know, yeah, I think they reached that uh, level where they're just kind of making each other laugh at this point. Like you know, mm-hmm. the, like the, the like the stand up comedian that plays at the back of the room. Whereas, yeah. like I, we know this is funny. If they don't get it, that's on them. But we're having a good right. time, so let's keep going. Yeah, and and sometimes they can just come off as very self indulgent or very uh, patting yourselves on the back, but. On this week's show, I thought it worked. Uh, I agree. Uh, we also had a couple desk segments. Uh, we had, firstly, uh, new cast member Sarah Sherman coming out. And uh, this is on YouTube as Sarah Sherman roasts Colin Jost. So, right there, I'm on board. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, please. Click. She's she's talking about how the season is going so far. And she says, she says I've got feedback. And she's talking about like, well, first of all, why is this show live? <laughs> it doesn't need to be live. I, I could say something right now that ruins my life and yours. Yeah. And and she points out that she could have a nip, nip slip, which is a funny concept because she was like wearing 
colorful overalls over like a, a jacket or a high collar thing. Uh, and, you know, and Colin was very rightly saying like, it's almost impossible for you to have a nip slip right now. Yeah. And, and every, anything Colin would say, she would immediately transform into like the worst possible interpretation. And they'd have a graphic up on the screen with a headline. Yeah. And they had like, so. and with each graphic, they had Colin like look worse than worse. Like at one point he had like these over exaggerated mm-hmm. eyebrows. Yes. At one point, um, uh, Sarah Sherman says like, why is everybody in this cast so damn good looking? Like I'm here, I'm here looking like Chucky went to Sarah Lawrence and everybody else in the cast here is beautiful. <laughs> and uh Colin just said, Well, you know, you're you're pretty too, uh, Sarah. And of course Sarah's like, Oh wow, are you saying I'm beautiful? Are, are you obsessed with me? And then of course yeah. she cuts right to the camera saying, Local pervert, Colin Jose try hits on uh, underage, barely legal new cast member, Sarah Sherman. Right. And right. then it shows like him like with his eyes bugging out and his tongue wagging out type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> And then I think Colin Colin says, "Like, what do you mean under? What do you mean barely legal? You're almost thirty. Yes. And I mean, I also liked her saying, like, you know, why is the show on late? So late? It's not even Saturday anymore. It's Sunday. You people are being lied to." And she just had a a real cool offbeat energy that really made this work. Um, I I wasn't sure about her, but this really got me on her side more, and I feel like she is definitely made her mark on the show now. This is this is comparable to like Andrew Dismukes's thing late last season at the weekend update desk that really got I have a sense of her personality now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, that's that's a yeah. yeah, no, that's a great comparison cuz like when Andrew came on we were he introduced himself, his background and we got to know who he was and his sense of humor. And I think like from the moment you see Sarah, like she comes mm-hmm. out in like like you said like this these crazy colorful overalls like you know right and this crazy colorful shirt and like these like kind of wireframe almost like david koresh like glasses and this weird mm-hmm. kind of almost mullety haircut like she looks so offbeat where like yeah just the moment you see her you're like oh she, she's a character i rewatched this segment and i was just like okay no i i, I feel like i get her now she's she's judy tenuta Crossed with Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. Ooh, that's a nice mix. That's, I was like, if those two somehow had a child, that child would be Sarah Sherman. Yeah, like she's like very kind of unhinged and loud, but she brings a lot of confident energy with her. She And she has a real offbeat cadence to her voice too, which which works for her. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and it, it's it's kind of exciting to see SNL incorporate a new style of humor like that because she doesn't really seem like, despite my Roseanne Rosanna uh, comparison, she doesn't really seem like anybody who's been on the show before, and that's that's kind of exciting. It's it's almost like a paradigm shift of the type of comedy they're doing. Right? You no, know, no. When she came on, like I I felt like the energy liven up from the entire show because, like, I mean, as you've mm-hmm. heard from our talking about it, like I felt like there have been okay moments in the show, so yeah. up until this point. But when she came on, that's when, like, things got lively again. That's when I started to really pay attention again, where, like, you know, I, I looked up from my phone. I was like, oh, who's this person? Like, that's yeah, when they, yeah. that's when I got excited. That's it, The excitement kicked in. So so for me, this was the sketch of the night. Um, mm. if, if you're counting update death segments as sketches, which 
for the purposes of this discussion, I am. Okay. Uh, if you don't, then uh, just uh, mark me down for Man Park. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I thought this was a really strong segment. I thought it was mm-hmm. something different, something new. It was like a new energy. Uh, it breathed life into the show for a few moments. Yeah. And uh, it, we all... <laughs> for a few moments. And then it went out. <laughs> and then it flatlined. No, but no, it, it, like it, it gave us a sense of who this person is and what she's all about. So like now people, are, you know, people, are, this, this will, people will kind of automatically become fans of hers or not. And like, she's not just another cast yeah. member. She's like, oh, she's Sarah. I know who that is. That's yeah. Sarah. Yeah. And, and again, I feel like this was a nice segment to introduce her to the audience. And I was, I was kind of like, okay, yes, now I know what she's about. And and I honestly, I liked her more than I was expecting to. So I, I look forward to seeing what she does in the future. Um, here, here. Next, we had another uh, desk segment with Aristotle Atari uh, as Laughing Tosh 3000. He's an AI uh, robot doing stand-up comedy. Uh, and uh, yeah, actually, I, watch, I watched this and it immediately had the feel of, oh, this is something from his stand-up act. And, uh, yeah. and that was... That was confirmed on, on Twitter. One of our uh, Twitter followers said like, oh yeah, he did uh, this at uh, the Just for Last Festival in Montreal. And I looked it up and the character looks different, but it is the same character and it's the same sort of thing he was doing. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I actually found out this was like a last minute addition too. I guess I just threw this in mm-hmm. at the last minute. Uh, I remember seeing on Facebook somebody comparing this. Do you remember this comedian from the 90s called Mr. Zed? No, I don't think so. If you look it up, type in Mr. Zed, you'll see. It was like a this one stand-up comedian who, like, his shtick was that he was a robot doing stand-up comedy, and he, like, kind of moved in very robotic type of movements. And, I mean, I guess you could... Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. He's got, like, the whole outfit and everything. He's got the shiny suit and the fake hair. and Yeah. Yeah, the, the look is kind of similar to what Aristotle did. Um, when he was doing it in his stand-up act at the Just for Last Festival in Montreal... He had an old, um, an old uh, oh, Macintosh like shell of a computer. Yeah, an old Macintosh computer over his head, and he was wearing that like a helmet. And then he's in a type thing. I think the look on the show it was better because you can see his whole face for one thing. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean that thing he does with his voice is impressive too. That was really impressive because he really did sound like an AI generated voice. And you know, he's like processing, processing. Pro- this is worth looking it up. Uh, yeah. Aristotle, Laughing Tosh 3000. Um, I, I thought this was another strong death segment. I feel like we're totally going to see this character again. I hope we do. Yeah. Like, um, it's yeah. like I said, it's kind of almost like a Max Headroom vibe, but not quite. Like uh, the way mm-hmm. Aristotle does that thing with his voice, like "hello," down. Oh, like I can't even, I can't even do it. I'm not even going to try to do it. Yeah, no, it, it's tough to even do a good impression of it. But right, uh, um, but yeah. but but I, it, there's funny stuff, and he and he's like, "I'm going to do crowd work," and where are you from, Colin? And Colin says Staten Island, and then he just goes processing, processing, processing. Staten Island sucks. <laughs> That's not bad. And then he did like an impression of Instagram. Look at my body. Yeah. Look at my body. Look at my body. Yeah. <laughs> and act out. And, and he did he did uh, uh, Tinder where, you know, it's like swiping left, 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 left. And then get out of my get way. Out of my life. Get out of my life. Get out of my life. Get out of my way. Get out of my way. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so. and then it went into this thing where he talked about how he used to date a GPS. 
Because, mm-hmm. like, I think Colin asked him, like, if he dated, and he's like, oh, that's a sore subject for me, Colin. Right. And then he's, like, talking about how when he had sex with his GPS girlfriend, she always gave directions, you know, go left, go left. Right. <laughs> down, up, down, recalculating, recalculate. Like, that's not a bad joke. That's pretty solid. And plus, you add yeah, that was, in with the cute. you add that in with the voice. I was like, oh, this works. This is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was cool. I, I look forward to uh, seeing this character again. I don't want to, like any recurring character, I don't want to see them drive it into the ground. But if, if they bring this back in like three, four weeks, I, I'd be good with that. I would agree. Yeah. Um, two strong Weekend Update segments from the two new cast members. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is phenomenal right here. Yeah. And I, I, I thought it was, it was good because it gave both of them a nice hook. So... I feel like I know what both of them are about much more now. Right. So that, that was cool to see. Yeah. So now Aristotle has this and Angelo and uh, Sarah. We got to got to know her personality more. So I think mm-hmm. where this is, this is just like the start of them doing more and more throughout the show, which I am here for. Yeah. We're still early in the season. I think there's, there's plenty more time for them to hopefully come up with some more memorable moments for the season. So it's, it's nice to see all the new people getting so well established. Yeah. I just like to see them backtrack a little bit and, and get to see punk punky get a little more of that treatment. Absolutely. And uh, Andrew Dismukes to continue on the path he's on. So here, here. So, um, next. All right. Next. Uh, we, we had, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I can tell this was a favorite. It was a nice little, nice little, you know, oasis. And now we're about to go back into the dirty waters. Uh, so next we had uh, Broadway, Broadway benefit. I apparently cannot say words with bees any longer. Uh, this, this was a sketch. Uh, it was uh, co-written by Cecily Strong, uh, Kent Sublette and Bowen Yang. And this one just kind of felt like, Cecily and Bowen just wanted to sing this week. It really did. And so it's basically we have uh, Aidy Bryant and Kyle Mooney as a married couple. They're bringing their small child to Broadway to look at a show. It was an actual small child. They had a lot of kids yeah. in the show. It's a kid-heavy episode. A lot of kids staying up late yeah. past their bedtimes. I mean, uh, to just deliver one line or two. Yeah, and uh, and they did a nice job of it. Yeah, no, the kids are good. We're not, we're not here to bash kids. The kids are great. Um, and yeah, and then, I don't care for them myself. But, uh, <laughs> I don't. Children, uh, not my not my cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, you know, hey, you folks that have the kids, that's great. You go on with your bad selves, just not for me. Yes, John is the Miss Hannigan of the SNL Nerds podcast. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and and the, as the show develops, like like eighty remembers the show from watching it from when she was a little girl, and then when they see the show, they realize it's much more drug centric and the it's much more adult oriented humor than she remembered. Yeah, and it's like songs about them doing cocaine and uppers and downers and woofers and tweeters and pills, and that, yeah. that's pretty much it. Again, again, another sketch where it really doesn't escalate to anything where. It, it was one of those sketches where it was just more weird than funny. It honestly felt like something in the 10 to 1 slot that was playing in the show a little early. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, I honestly didn't write much about it. Like, they had um, jo- Jonathan Majors come out as a Tennyson Hartley, who's like a singer and dancer. And, uh, I mean, he did okay. 
Um, but yeah, it's just basically yeah. them kind of singing and dancing about doing drugs and, and blow, then cutting back to 80 and Kyle being like, oh, this is more adult than I remember. Um, I don't know. There wasn't much to this sketch. I, I, I could have done without this. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I, I normally love uh, Cecilio and Bowen, but uh, yeah, this this was just kind of a mess for me. Yeah. It's like, there. I mean, the premise is... I honestly, maybe it was the premise. Maybe the premise wasn't strong enough for a sketch. Maybe the the songs were. They sang the songs nice and the dancing was fine, but it didn't. I, all the time I was thinking, all right, where is this going? What's where is this leading to? It was just kind of meandering, and it's like, yeah. I mean, it's done. It's well done meandering, but it's still like, <laughs> <laughs> it's still like, all right, where where is this? Where? <laughs> well done meandering. <laughs> SNL, well done meandering. Here's a poll quote for you. <laughs> That's right. It meandered, but it did so really well. <laughs> Darren Paxson from the SL Nerds. But yeah, it's just it, I, I, all the time I was like, "Where is this going?" I don't. I'm. I'm yeah. It's kind of bored. It's kind of losing me. And I was like, mm. "Yeah, yeah." I was just like, "This, this is." Yeah, yeah it's it, kind of petering it, it out. Kind of lost me. Um. So all right, moving on. Next, we had uh, another pre-tape uh, pet store ad with. Uh, this was uh, co-written by Chris Red and Will Steven. And uh, this was like a, a fake commercial with Bone Thugs and Harmony. No, it's it's Dog Bones and Melodies by Bone Thugs and Harmony. Right. So they're they're running like a cat care place, a, a pet care place. Yeah, no, it's a it's a pet store for dog that sells specifically just bones. Because they're bone thugs in harmony. Yeah. So the bone is in their name. So they 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 sell bones. You get it? Because bone thugs harmony. So th- yeah. they sell bones, and then when you buy a bone, they they'll sing a song for you about the bone you bought. It, it was kind of a reach, frankly. Um, yeah, no, it, it was it was goofy. I mean, my main reaction to it was okay. We we've got a sketch with dogs, and we don't have Desley Strong in it. What what the hell are you doing, people? Egregious. You you have you have dogs on the show. You feature Cecily Strong in the sketch, so she can play with the dog. I feel like she should put that in her contract at this point. It should one hundred percent be in her contract. <laughs> Maybe she traded that off for the opportunity to sing more. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in, in each show, I either sing or play with dogs, or sing to dogs, which I will do, or play a crazy white lady. Yes, I do one of those three things. Um, I'm waiting. Have, I'm, we, yeah, I'm waiting for the day where she plays Janine Pyro singing to a dog. That's when. That's the trifecta. <laughs> that's the dream. That's the dream. That's the the the, the strong trifecta, yes. as as they call it in the business. Saving that for the Christmas episode. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So that I mean that was the, my main reaction uh, to that as they broke one of the cardinal rules of SNL. Uh, you bring dogs into the studio. You let Cecily play with them. Yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, but back to this sketch, yeah, like, I thought it was, I mean, the premise is, the premise definitely is not strong enough for this, for this sketch. It's like, it's a, it's uh-huh. a simple premise that maybe you can pull, maybe a two minute sketch. You can get, you yeah. get in and out before it goes on too long, but that's another thing with the sketch. It went on too long. It went, it, I think it's like three, 
It's longer than the, than the Man Park sketch. This, this one was like... Yeah, three, it's three minutes, eight seconds. Yeah, um, like by, so it, by two minutes... It I was... ate up three minutes of airtime. So, and at the end of the day, isn't that what we're really... <laughs> we're just running the clock. <laughs> running the clock. It took up some space in the show. And so, yeah. kudos for that. Yeah. Um, you know, nice, nice wigs. Nice wigs yeah. in, in, the, in the sketch. Yeah, nice I wigs. I like seeing doggies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, it's like them... They've been doing this a little bit where they've been referencing 90s hip-hop bands uh, like you yeah. know, Bone Thugs, Eminem, and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, like like two minutes into the sketch, I was like, all right, I get the premise. Where, what, what, yeah. Now what? Where is this going? And again, it doesn't heighten to anything. It just kind of hits yeah. on the thing. And then they bring in, um, then they show, they cut to Kyle Mooney, who's like their business manager. He, he's business bone. And he's like, guys, you yeah. guys are hemorrhaging money. And that's... I, I mean, that's not, that's something, but it's not. Yeah. Mm. I, w- I would have liked it more if it was shorter, I think. Yeah, if it was short, like, they need to shave off a minute off this. If they shaved off the minute, I yeah. wouldn't be as bummed out by it as I was. Yeah, exactly. Um, then our last sketch of the night, uh, Pastor Announcement. Uh, this is uh, Jonathan Major and Ego as the, uh, <laughs> they're, they're at the first damn Baptist church. And they announced that they've had they've had 24 very happy years of marriage, and then last year, and so they've decided that they're opening up their marriage, and they're just kind of throwing it out there to the congregation and and seeing who might be interested. Uh, so yeah, and that's pretty much the premise of it. It's like them. Yeah, I mean, there are a few good lines here and there, like uh, Chris Red, who's a member of the congregation, saying, "Oh, oh, you got to have an open marriage. Is that what I have with my wife?" And the pastor's like, "No, no, you're just cheating on your wife." <laughs> yeah that that was that was a great line i wrote that one down um i liked how like keenan was into it but uh, keenan's the organist and they're just like no no we're not feeling that <laughs> organist um <laughs> organist um oh <laughs> uh, this this was all right i think it was stronger than some other things in the show yeah again yeah. like again like heightening of uh, you know escalating this isn't really here it's just them propositioning the congregation and then some of them being into it some of them not um yeah. i like how they said they were in, on the dating apps like coffee meets penis i was like all right uh-huh. that's a line um yeah they're talking about how they both want to get with like as their hall pass would be uh, travis who's in the choir um and then i think they cut to kyle mooney who is like hey wait a minute i'm travis <laughs> like <laughs> And he's like, oh, you guys, that's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there were definitely some moments in this. I thought just overall as a sketch, it was it was fair to middling. Um, but but it was it was perfectly fine. I, I liked it. it. Yeah, it was okay, I guess. It was like, again, I guess it's the same thing with the other sketches. It kind of meanders quite a bit. And it's like, doesn't escalate. And it's just, I don't know if this jokes were really strong enough to get it to the finish line. Like, I, I think it mm-hmm. got there, but just barely for me it was just like i yeah, yeah. I, I it sounds like i'm being really harsh in this episode but i guess yeah i was i liked the sarah sherman and the laugh Tron mcintosh i liked him i feel like this this episode overall it had a lot of ups and downs um yes so ebbs and flows yeah exactly so it was it was definitely a come down after the strong show they did last week with uh, karen culkin and uh I definitely put the Jason Sudeikis episode above this one. Uh, what what do you think of uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Majors as a host? Um, 
overall, I thought it was okay. I thought it was serviceable. Um, mm-hmm. he he did seem nervous in the beginning, and like, yeah. and maybe in a few sketches in the beginning, or he was he seemed a little kind of out of step. But I think as the show went on, he kind of found his groove. I think like around right. the time where they did the creepy kids uh, talk show, he was a little bit more comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, I thought it was I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. Um, yeah, I I feel like as a host, he was just kind of okay, and uh, he he didn't. I don't think he did anything in the show that like really blew me away. Uh, he was fine. He wasn't like a total train wreck. He's not like an Elon Musk or anything like that. Oof. But he's he's fine. I'm I'm pro- I'd probably be okay if he just stayed as like a one time host. No, same. And that yeah, same. Yeah, and that maybe sounds a little harsh, but yeah, but but yeah, it just that you know some people just don't entirely click, and I I think he did a decent job, but yeah, yeah I mean you know sketch comedy is is tough. It's not everybody's uh, wheelhouse. You can be a really great, mm-hmm. amazing actor on uh, you know stage or in movies, but when it comes to sketch comedy, that's a whole different beast, and. Some yeah. people are adapt to it, and some aren't. That's fine. If you know, either way, it's fine. So you know, it's he's he is a great actor. He's amazing in the movies I've seen, but sketch comedy is just like, oh, he's okay, he's all right. And that I mean, that's the thing. You is SNL is such a crapshoot, and it's you're always it's always so surprising which hosts hit and click, and which hosts don't. I mean, honestly, like looking back to like 1990 or something. Would we have ever thought that the guy from Hunt from Red October would be one of the all-time best hosts of SNL? Uh, n- wait, which guy is that? Sean Connery? Alec Baldwin. Oh, okay. <laughs> Out of all his movies, you pick Hunt for Red October? Well, that's what he was known for around 1990. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, yeah, no, I, I would not have thought that. because up until- I, I won't be so oblique. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, it took me a minute, because like, is he talking about Denzel Washington or Sean Connery? No, that was Crimson Tide. Oh, that's the other submarine movie. Denzel, yeah, Sean Connery was in Hunt for Red October. Uh, Denzel Washington was in Crimson Tide with Gene Hackman. Uh, I, I, they are both submarine movies. I get my sub-movies mixed up, apologies. Yeah, yeah. There's that, U571, they're, they're all... Yeah. Uh, yeah. but actually, actually, this week I, I I just watched Ice Station Zebra from from uh, the 1960s. The hell is that? Well, that's a submarine. Movie. Oh, okay. it's got it's got uh, Rock Hudson, Ooh. Patrick McGowan, Ernest Borgnine, and uh, Jim Brown. Hey now, oh, big bad Jim and, Brown. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jim Brown doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue in it. It's it's got its moments, but man, it's. It, it's kind of a slog. Oh boy. All right, let's get to... But it's always fun to see Patrick McGowan. Yeah. Patrick McGowan is awesome. Wow, what's doing with McGowan? Yeah, yeah. Go check out The Prisoner, people. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, tweet out your favorite Patrick McGowan movie when you can. Yes, we want to know. We yeah. want to know. Should Patrick McGowan have hosted Saturday Night Live? What would that have been? <laughs> I think it would have gone something a little like this. They should do a Prisoner parody on... on... SML. The kids that would be awesome. The kids don't know that man. They know the TikToks and the YouTubes. They've done prisoner parodies on The Simpsons, though. So that's The Simpsons. That's a whole other beast. That's people our age, man. Simpsons okay. uh, SNL. That's for the young folks. They like the the tweeters and the uh, the BTSs and the uh, you know the you know the the, the Razor Clazers or whatever. 
Look, I just want SNL to do a parody of a surreal spy show from 1967. Is that too much to ask? <laughs> Is that so wrong? <laughs> uh, oh, so. Uh, yeah. So overall, I thought this episode was um, it was it wasn't great. I would put it out of the episode of the season, like above Kardashian episode, but. Well, most things are both yeah, Kardashian. Yeah. But that's about it. I, 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 yeah, but yeah. But uh, I mean, but that's it. I, I would say that I think the Owen Wilson episode was better than this one. And, yeah, I would agree. And uh, yeah, all these. Uh, oh, but yeah. One little cute thing, one very cute thing is that the Good Nights, uh, Taylor Swift and Jonathan Majors did their little chest bump thing again. Oh, nice. So apparently that's their thing. That's another <laughs> thing. I, what, that's another thing I noticed at the Good Nights. Everybody was wearing face masks again. And I was like, they weren't wearing. Yeah, they usually wear face masks during the good night. They didn't wear them like for the past few uh, episodes, have they? I don't think they. I think they did. Yeah, I didn't think they did. I mean, I can't easily check this because they don't put the good nights up online. Well, why not? And because it's like one. It's usually one minute of just people saying like, "This was great. Good night. Yeah." Ah, excuses, excuses, and, John. Hey, I, if if they put them up, I would probably watch them. I would I would watch a compilation of host good nights for like an entire season. That might be fun to watch. Mm. Um, it's it's always fun watching the good nights like years after the fact on like the 10 p.m. rerun, and you see people still in costume from a sketch that they didn't show in the rerun. Oh yeah, I mean the, I mean the king of that was the uh, the Zach Galifianakis where he shaved his head into a Mr. T. Oh my god, that was that was brilliant. Zach Galifianakis needs to come back and host, man. He does. There's a guy who needs to come back. Yeah, he's, he's kind of living off the grid now. I think he's just like kind of, he's like kind of doing that Bill Murray thing where he's just not on social media. He's off the grid. Comes in, done a movie, and just goes right back into the ether. And like you don't know where he is. You don't know what he's doing. He's just out there living life. Yeah, yeah. It seems like we haven't seen him in a while, but. Uh... Yeah, I'd lo- I'd love to see him come back. It's been too long. Been too long, I say. Been too long, my friend. Your country, um, your country needs you, Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that's uh, this episode of SNL. We we've got a little, uh, we've got some Twitter messages, stuff like that take, that we can get into. Let's take out them tweets, them tweets, we baby. Some, we got some tweets. Uh, so we asked, uh, you know, what'd you think of this episode? Our uh, our friend Mikey. Mikey with two E's, he says, I thought it was fine, but not great. High points for me were Sarah on update. Agreed. Uh, please don't destroy. And Man Park. Yep, those are those are my big three. Uh, cold open was okay. Glad it wasn't too long. Monologue felt rushed, but not really knowing who he was going in, it didn't help. Uh, live sketches were all okay. No real highs, but nothing too bad. So, yeah, kind of fair to middling in Mikey's estimation. Um. Yeah. Fair enough. I. I. I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um. See. What? Where's the other? Uh, sorry. We got Manette Moratti. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You should go, I'm. I'm looking for it now. But yeah, you should. Uh, okay. She says. Uh, I've got it up. Uh, she says, "How does it feel to know that comedians can also be replaced by robots?" Oh boy. Uh, that is a great question, Manette. Um. That. That amused me when I read that. Um. Darren, do you want to do oh. want to tackle that? Please? Uh Not great. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my job can my my love and my one true passion can be done by a speaking spell is that what you're trying to tell me okay <laughs> could be done by a teddy ruxpin is that what we're, is that I what we're mean, uh, 
do we do we have to train the robot replacements? I I don't think I'm down with that. I don't want to be that. Um, I think you can just have them like loop in like some catchphrases here and there, and they'll be fine. You know, women be yeah. crazy, women be shopping. I don't know. I'm, honestly, a lot of comedians do their acts by rote, so <laughs> you might not be able to tell too much of a difference. <laughs> women be crazy. Am I right, guys? Uh, Am I right, guys? <laughs> do I feel like it's a personal threat? Uh, yeah, probably not too much. <laughs> yeah, we'll be all right. <laughs> We got this podcast uh, money, baby. That's right. That's right. We're just we're just dropping Benjamins at the club. So we got this highly lucrative uh, podcast as our as our as our backup. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, Manette uh, continues says, uh, in all seriousness, in comparison to the uh, Just for Laughs version he did, uh, this isn't the best go at it. Uh, would like to see it again with stronger writing. She's talking about uh, the. Uh, 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 Technotron 3000. Laffintosh, right. Laffintosh. The name is not second in my head. Mm. Um, and she says, and I say this as a big fan of him, by the way. I heard this was brought in at the last minute, and it shows. I still liked it, but I need another go at it. Um, um, hmm. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I watched him at the Just for Last Festival. I thought the SNL version was a little stronger, maybe just because I saw it first and it seemed fresher to me then. Right. Uh, I mean, well, the fact that it's like last, this was last minute, uh, edition, mm-hmm. I, th- I, th- I think it still got over. Like, um, I mean, I, I understand yeah, what she's saying. Sure. Like, you know, maybe if there was, they had more time to flesh it out a little bit more and write stronger jokes, it would have been even a bigger hit. But I think it was just, I think it, I, I think it was just a big enough hit to get over. And I also think because of the fact that the rest of the show wasn't particularly strong, it kind of already stood out on its own by being okay. Yeah. Like, you know, the rest of the show was kind of mediocre, so this just had to be okay in order for it to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the performance was good. Um, Aristotle broke a little bit at one point, but it was it was a little loosey-goosey, probably because it was a last-minute thing. Um, right. It, it had, like, it had that sort of shaggy half-improv feel to it, you know? Yeah, and I like that. I like kind of when it's kind of a little bit looser and... A little, not as scripted. Like sometimes that could be good. I mean, it is fun when you see, uh, like, like Colin or or Michael uh, Shea reacting in the moment. I mean, I lo- I loved at the end of uh, Sarah Sherman's segment, uh, Michael Shea was like, "Yeah, you go. He does suck." I mean, that that was hilarious. yeah, because like um, uh, Sarah said, like, "Hey, nice suit, Colin. Where'd you get that from? The store, <laughs> right?" <laughs> He's like, yeah, um, I did get this from a store. That was fun, and and hey, uh, kudos to Colin for being such a big sport, uh, a good sport to let people make fun of him that much. Yeah, just, on the show. everybody just constantly dumps on Colin. He's like, yeah, I get it, and he and he has a good sense of humor about himself. I mean, the main title is memoir, a very punchable face for yeah. crying out. Cecily's so. strong through wine, right in his face, and he's like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of like that he lets, uh, him, he, he lets himself be everybody's punching bag. That's, that's really fun. Um, yes. uh, we had, we had one more tweet that, uh, was just sent, uh, 15 minutes ago. Um, uh, Rini, the fangirl's, uh, dilemma, she's at fangirl dilemma. That's dilemma with two M's says deeply honored that Trumbull comic reached out to me to confirm details of Taylor Swift's whole deal right now before recording SNL nerd show. Always nice when my endless prattling about nonsense helps my friends. 
Well, I mean, Rini, uh, endless prattling about nonsense is our basic show format. So that's our uh, bread and butter, yeah. baby. Yeah. So thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> no, thank you. And yes, and thank and thank you for uh, giving me the the quick uh, Taylor Swift primer, so I didn't look too too foolish. And uh, that's that's it for the Twitter. But uh, I just noticed before we started recording, we got a new review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I did not know this. You told me this before we recorded, and I was like, "Oh, we got a new review." And I I mm-hmm. have not heard this. I have not seen this. I'm going in cold. John Trumbull hit me with the good news. You're coming to this 100 fresh. This is from uh, Girl Love Zombies. That's L U V and Zombies. Um, she says, great podcast, five stars. I really enjoyed listening to both of you each week discuss each episode skit by skit. Thank you for all that you do. You have really renewed my love for SNL. So Aww. thank you very much, Girl Love Zombies. You're welcome, Girl Love Zombies. Thank you so much for the kind, kind words. Yeah, that's always nice. And it's always cool to get another five star review. That's that always that really does help us out. And uh, the only thing I I wonder about is she says I really enjoyed past tense listening. Did she stop listening? Uh, John, don't. Did something happen to Girl Love Zombies? Hey. Are you trapped under something heavy? Do you need some help? <laughs> don't do, do you blink twice if you need help. <laughs> do you need me to call somebody? Are you okay? <laughs> What's so? Yeah, maybe, maybe she she probably just uh, sampled it uh, recently for the first time. She does say each week. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You see, you you're already taking this good news and tr- and looking for the bad in it. That's that's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> that's you can't give me a compliment without me finding the negative inside that compliment. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is that is the way my brain works. I am a stand-up comedian, my friend. <laughs> kind words. What's the catch? <laughs> Sincere compliments. No, I don't trust them. <laughs> So, yeah, but uh, please uh, rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your uh, your podcasts, and we will do our best to track those down and read them on the show, because we always like hearing some feedback. Uh, yeah. And you can... Yeah. yeah that's, I was just saying, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you can you can follow us uh, on the Twitter at uh, SNL Nerds Show. And uh, yeah, please uh, give us a follow. We always like that. We're, tr- we're trying to get that follower count back up. And you can follow me on Twitter at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L, and the word comic. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. And uh, as always, you can follow uh, our, uh, you know, our, the network we're on, Nonproductive, at non at non at, at non-pro, Jesus Christ, or uh, go to non-productive.com, uh, listen to mm-hmm. all the episodes we've put out, and uh, donate to our Patreon. Give us some money. Let us... Let the Frank know that we're we're doing good here, and like people like what we're doing. Yeah, that that just helps us uh, keep things going and, and pay for all the the stuff we need to do to do this and and give you this free entertainment. So uh, next week we got uh, Simu Limu and Sweetie. Simu on the Simu Liu. Simu. Ooh. Were you thinking about the Limu Emu? I was. <laughs> I was. So. I was thinking he had a rhyming name, but no, not so much. Kind of. Simu Liu. It, it's just short of rhyming, and that was what threw me. Mm. So, But but Shang-Chi's going to be in the studio next yeah. week. That's exciting. Oh, did you end up seeing the movie? 
I have not watched the movie quite yet because that interfered with me watching episodes of the Green Hornet on YouTube this week. Uh, um, what? <laughs> well, again, why watch current entertainment when there are episodes from 1966 <laughs> out there? Um, the Green Hornet from the... All right. All right. All right. It's not Bruce Lee, man. It's, right. it's good stuff. I'm not here to judge. I just... Just that sentence. I, I feel like you are. I feel like you are. It's just, I'm feeling very judged at the moment. It's just, but no. Uh, Shang Chi: uh, Legend of the Ten Rings is on Disney Plus now, so I'm going to uh, finally check it out this okay. week. Okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Just that sentence really took me aback. I was like, "Wait, what's he doing?" Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, Simu Liu. Uh, we all know him as uh, Shang Chi from the Marvel mm-hmm. uh, universe, and he was also on uh, that. Canadian sitcom uh, that was very popular in Canada, uh, Kim's Convenience, which is uh, I've watched, and and also a lot of stock photos, a lot of stock photos. That's his, a lot of stock photos. I think he shot all of those in an afternoon. I could I could see that happening. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I'm I'm just I'm just fingers crossed for a stock photo sketch. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, dare to dream. And uh, then we also have uh, Sawiti, who I don't know much about. I know she's a female rapper, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. We'll, We'll get to see what she does. Well, we'll find out what she's all about. Uh-huh. So is she going to have a 10-minute song about her ex? Who knows? Maybe that's the new format for musical guests. That's right. <laughs> Warren just going, you can come on the show, but you've got to do 10 minutes about your ex. <laughs> have you dated a celebrity you can trash in a, in a musical mm-hmm. setting? If it's Jake Gyllenhaal, great. We're all about the bashing Jake Gyllenhaal on <laughs> SNL. Oh, God. <laughs> I can see Jake Gyllenhaal at home, like an- again <laughs> with this. It's like, all right, I'll return the scarf. Jeez. <laughs> Hello, DHL. I got to return a scarf. It <laughs> was Mysterio. Damn it! I don't deserve this. God. Deserve respect. I was in. The, I'm in the Marvel universe. I mean, it's Sony, but still. Yeah. <laughs> That, that, that counts. That counts. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Hogan was in my movie. Out there. <laughs> that, that, I'm, I am therefore part of the MCU. Yeah, come on, guys. Show me some love. Yeah. Oh, man. Oof. Wow, what an episode. This I had more fun talking about this episode than I did watching it. Well, then, mission accomplished. Yay, thumbs up. So, yay, thumbs up. So, and uh, you know what? Uh, we're going to need some help deciding what we're going to do uh, for our next break week. We've got uh, a few possibilities. Uh, I think we're going to put up a poll on the Twitter account, yeah. and uh, you guys can help us out with that. Put up a poll, take it to the people, and uh, mm-hmm. see what they say. Well, uh, just so, you know, stay tuned. Keep an eye out for our, on our Twitter account, at SNL Nerds Show, and, um, mm-hmm. and uh, vote early, vote often. Make your voices heard. All right. So, that's... We'll, we'll see you next week. And until then, nerds out. out! This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com. Thank <laughs> you.